And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. We're in a series entitled Focusing on the Important. You know, what you focus on will determine your destiny, really. It really will. Focusing on the important. Today, I want to talk to you about the most important question you will ever answer. The most important question you'll ever answer. And again, I, I, I got inspired when, when Brother Steve Sampson was with us for our encounter meetings. I got some more time to, to read and I was able to read more in Pastor Rodney Howard Brown's book, Seeing Jesus as He Really Is. And that's my inspiration for this message today. I encourage you to pick up a copy of the book. We're going to begin reading in Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist and some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Folks, one day everybody in this house... One day, everybody on the face of the earth is going to stand before a holy God. And we're going to have to answer the question, who is Jesus Christ in your life? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, and he says, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He says, On this rock of revelation... You are Peter. Your name means rock. I'm not building the church on you, Peter, but I am building the church on your revelation, on your confession of faith that I'm the Christ. I'm the son of the living God. And he says, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I'm telling you, the church is not brick and mortar. The church is not a building. The church is people. The church are the redeemed throughout the ages, who pledge allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ, who serve Him as King and Lord and Master of their lives. That's the church. And the promise is this. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. So you might as well just go ahead and say, devil, you're not going to prevail. Just let Him know. Hallelujah. But everybody needs to see that Jesus is the Christ. That He's the Son of the living God. Unfortunately, a whole lot of people see Jesus through the eyes of tradition. They see Jesus through the eyes of religion. You know, some years ago, our family over the Thanksgiving time, our family was, was down at Disney World and we went to the Epcot Center and we went over to the American part of Epcot and there we saw the Christmas play being enacted. The music was absolutely beautiful. The actors were, were, were adorned. They looked like period actors. 
And people everywhere were just stopping. If, if you know what, where that is, that's kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's an outdoor amphitheater. It's got a roof over it, but it's, you could hear the music and people were walking up and, and I saw men and women walking up and putting out their cigarettes and standing and singing about a babe in a manger and tears just start streaming down their eyes. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of people that want to sing about a baby in a manger, but they don't want to serve Jesus Christ as the King and Lord and Master of their life. There are two times a year that the world seems to stop and acknowledge Jesus. One of them is Christmas. Some people will acknowledge it's about His birth. The other time is Easter. We stop and acknowledge that Jesus died. And there's some people, you know, Easter's our biggest time of the year. You know, we'll do a couple of services that morning and we'll, we'll put between seven and eight hundred people in here. In fact, if you'll start praying now, Easter's gonna be late this year. It's April 17th. Start praying now about who you can invite to Easter. Amen. And we, we'll, we'll just do three services if we need to that day. But it's the only time some people are gonna hear the gospel. And I'll tell you what I've noticed is some people will think about the death of Jesus on the cross. They might even look at a picture of him and they might have tears running down their cheeks. But somehow they never connected that he's the Christ, the son of the living God, that he's the source, the force and the course of the universe, that he's the way, the truth and the life, that he's the one that deserves all of our allegiance. He's the one that deserves a wholehearted consecration to him. The world says, well, Jesus, he was a good man. Some say Jesus was a prophet. Others say, well, he was an eccentric. He was a, he was a mystic. Still other people say, well, he was just a martyr. And still other people will say, well, Jesus was a fairy tale. Now think about that for a minute. Some of us, we teach our children that there's a tooth fairy. We teach our children that there's an Easter bunny. And we teach our children that there's a Santa Claus. And sometimes when children get old enough to realize there's not really a tooth fairy and there's not really an Easter bunny, sometimes they wonder about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, folks, that's the reason we as parents and grandparents, as mentors, we've got to emphasize the fact that Jesus is not a fairy tale. He's the one that says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Have you ever noticed this? We mark our calendars by the life of Jesus. Today is February 5th, 2017 A.D. B.C. stands for before Christ. A.D. is Latin for Anno Domini. It means the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, last time I checked, nobody today is saying that this is February 5th, 2017, year of Buddha. Nobody is saying this is February 5th, 2017, year of Hare Krishna or year of Muhammad. Come on now. One man split the time of a whole planet, and his name is Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. 
He went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. He went to the cross of Calvary to bear my sin and to bear your sin. He suffered and he died. He was in the grave for three days, but the grave couldn't hold him. He rose again. He spent 40 days on earth talking about the kingdom of God. And then he ascended back to the right hand of the Father and he sent the promised Holy Spirit. And as we put our faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit will come into our hearts and bear witness that we are the sons and we are the daughters of God. Somebody say hallelujah. November 1971. I had tickets to go see a a rock group that was at Florida State called the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. (laughs) How many Nitty Gritty fans do we have here? Okay. All these old guys with me. Okay. They were good. And my cousin, Karen Rice now, her name was Karen Moran, she called me. She said, Terrell, would you please, please attend David Wilkerson's meeting? David Wilkerson, the founder of Teen Challenge, had come to town and the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship had sponsored him. And the largest church back in that time in Tallahassee was First Baptist over on College in Duval. And they graciously provided their facility for those meetings. And Karen called me three times and I kept saying, no, I'm going to go see me and my girlfriend. We're going to go see the nitty gritty dirt band. But she wouldn't give up. She kept calling. And I ended up breaking that date and going to that meeting. And that night, David Wilkerson preached on the prodigal son. He preached on the teenager who was out trying to do his own thing. I was 17 years old. I had known the Lord as a kid, but I certainly wasn't living for him. And I didn't want anything to do with him because I sensed the call of God to minister and perhaps even pastor. And that used to scare me to death. I'm going to tell you, it's good to, it's good to be in God's will for your life. See, there's a grace of God on my life to pastor. Even my own family says, now, how do you, how do you do this? The things that you do. And all I can just tell you, there's a grace. There's a grace good to be in the center of God's will, but I was fighting it. I was running from it. And when David Wilkerson gave the altar call that night, I knew it was my time. And I was up in the balcony and I made myself down, go down the stairs. And I thought about just, just going on out the front door. But instead I turned and I ran down that, 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 that long aisle and, and I gave my heart to Christ. And I was saying yes to everything Jesus had for me. It was the first time in my life I said, Jesus, I'm totally consecrated to you. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. Lord, it's not about me. It's not about my ideas. It's about you. So I just consecrate myself to you. We prayed together and there were probably, I don't know, a hundred kids that responded, college students and high schoolers that responded to that altar call. David Wilkerson and Dallas Holm, who was a musician, they took us downstairs. I didn't even know First Baptist has it downstairs. They took us downstairs and, and David Wilkerson, Dallas Holm was playing his guitar and singing quietly and David Wilkerson started just walking around and he laid hands on every one of us and he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit, I began to speak in a new, brand new tongue. I began to, to worship God in a language I had never learned before. Hallelujah. I, 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 since coming back to town, <laughs> when, when, when the, not the pastor is at First Baptist now, but the pastor that was there before him, I had a good time telling him I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. 
in the basement of his church. He laughed. He was excited. Hallelujah. Glory to God. For the first time in my life, I started reading the Bible, not just because we're having a contest to see who could read the most chapters. I don't know how, how you've done, but you know, the shortest, the shortest chapter in the Bible, I think, is Psalms 117 or 118, something somewhere in there. It's got like two verses in it. 117. I remember one time in Sunday school, we had a contest. Who could read the most chapters that week? I read Psalms 117 342 times, and I won the contest. But how I many you know, I wasn't reading for information. I wasn't reading for revelation. I was reading for the model airplane that the teacher was giving away that day. But for the first time in my life, I started reading this Bible. And my dad told me, he said, son, you need to at least read one chapter a day. And it'd be even better if you could read three chapters a day. And I wasn't always getting three chapters a day. But I'm going to tell you, I started reading this word. And I've shared with you before how I was a senior at, at Rickards High School. And I was in a British literature class. And, and, and the teacher brought, brings out this book, says, class, we're going we're gonna to read this fourth century British novel called Beowulf. And I remember I looked at that thing and I could hardly tell what they were trying to say. And, and it was pretty thick and I didn't want to have to do that. And, and, and I was bringing, by that time I was bringing my Bible to, to, to school with me. And I went up to the teacher and I says, you know, this is English British literature. This is the King James version of the Bible. Could I read this instead of reading Bo Wolf? She said, you certainly may. And I contracted to read the books of first and second Samuel instead of Bo Wolf. Hallelujah. And I, and I've told you this before. I'm, I'm sitting in class and, and she would give us reading time in class and the class is, is really laboring over trying to read Beowulf. And I'm reading out of 1 Samuel 17. David says to Goliath, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day, this day, I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air and to the beast of the field. And all the earth's going to know that there is a God in Israel. Hallelujah. And David takes that sling and he begins to swing it around. And man, I'm reading it and I'm right there with him. And he lets it go and that stone hits his mark. And he goes over and takes Goliath's sword and he ends his life. And there's a great victory that day. And I'm sitting there reading that and I begin just shaking under the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm looking around at my, at my classmates and they're having a tough time with Beowulf. And I'm shaking under the power of God. And I begin to weep and I'm thinking, oh Lord, I hope nobody sees me. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is wonderful. He is a refuge and strength. Like Brother Josh said, he's our refuge and strength. He's a very present help. I said a very present help in time of trouble. Let me share with you three things about Jesus. Three things about Jesus. Number one, if you want to see Jesus clearly, take your Bible and read the Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Underline in it everything that Jesus did. Underline in it everything that Jesus said. Put yourself in every verse. Hallelujah. You know, Kathy and I, some years back, we toured Israel and we stood at the pool of Bethesda where Jesus healed the lame man. 
And I stood there at the pool of Bethesda and we were listening to our guide, but I started thinking about the hundreds of times that I've read the John chapter 5 and I've read about Jesus coming to the pool of Bethesda and the Bible says there were many people that were blind and there were lepers and that, 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 that were paralyzed and lame waiting for the movement of the waters and supposedly an angel would come down and stir the waters and the first one in would be healed and Jesus came to a man who could not walk. He hadn't walked in 38 years and he asked him a simple question. He says, do you want, do you want to be healed. Everybody look at me. Hear this. Unfortunately, everybody that's sick doesn't want to be healed. Some people like the attention it gives them. Some people like the excuse it gives them not to have to work. Some people just like the government check they get. But not everybody wants to be healed. And that's the reason Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And then Jesus' next words were, rise Take up your bed and walk. And that man believed the word of the living Christ and he rose up. Hadn't walked in 38 years and he, he, I'm sure he very tenderly began to take a step and then another step and he began to test out his muscles, perhaps his, his muscles that all atrophied and it took him a while. But before long, that man was able to walk and he was carrying his bed. Hallelujah. Folks, what I'm saying is this. When you'll walk through the pages of Scripture with an open heart and say, Lord Jesus, let me see Jesus for who He is. Lord Jesus, open my eyes. Let me behold wondrous things from Your law. I'm just telling you that Jesus will walk right off the pages of Scripture and He'll walk into your heart. Hallelujah. And He'll walk with you and He'll talk with you and He'll tell you that you're His very own. Hallelujah. Number two. Jesus wasn't a barefoot, scrawny, weak-kneed person with a lamb under his arm speaking in Elizabethan English. I realize some people have painted those kind of pictures. Jesus was not going around saying, Yea, thou art here, and I art here. We are all here. Art thou glad? No, that, 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 that's not. Folks, I believe that Jesus was a man's man. Now, folks, I know he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I know the Bible says his visage was so marred on the cross that people turned their faces from him. But I really believe that Jesus was a man's man. I believe that when Jesus walked into a room, people took notice. I believe that when Jesus began to speak, people listened. You know, the Pharisees told Jesus, you'll read about this over in Luke chapter 13. The Pharisees told Jesus, they said, Jesus, you better get out of, out of this area over here that's close to Jerusalem because Herod's going to kill you. And you know what Jesus said? He says, oh me, oh my, what's Herod's problem? That's not what he said. He says, you go tell that fox. I'm going to cast out devils today. I'm going to heal people today. I'm going to cast out devils tomorrow. I'm going to heal people tomorrow. I'm going to cast out devils the third day. I'm going to heal people the third day. You go tell that fox that I'm going to accomplish my purposes. Hallelujah. I think about Jesus. He said, zeal for your house, Lord. As con- he's consumed me. Zeal for your house. He goes into the temple and he sees money changers. I've had, somebody came to me once and said, Pastor, you know, in light of the fact that Jesus 
chased those that were buying and selling out of the temple. Should we really be ever selling CDs or books or anything like that in the church? Let me, let me explain to you what was going on. How many of you have ever traveled to another country? Let me just see your hands. You know that when you get to that country, you've got to change your dollars into whatever the currency is that they use in that country. And you have to go to a bank and you pray that you'll get a good exchange rate because some places they'll rip you off. And they had it in the temple in Jesus' day. They had a system. You can't pay your tithe with Roman money. You can't pay your tithe with Greek money. The only way, only money system they used was the temple money it'd be as it we here at evangel came up with our own currency and we said you can't pay your tithes with u.s currency you've got to change it first into evangel currency and then when you did we didn't give you a good rate on your money in fact we stole from you that's what they're doing they were stealing from the people and then the people especially if they're from out of town they couldn't bring animals for sacrifice and so they'd have to buy a lamb or a turtle dove and they would have to pay three and four and five prices just so they could worship god and jesus said my father's house is going to be a house of prayer you've made it a den of thieves and he constructed a whip out of leather and he laid into those guys Number three, Jesus was merciful to sinners, but to religious people, his words cut like a knife. You know, I think about the incredible mercy, the incredible mercy that Jesus displayed. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying. He knows they're coming to arrest him. Judas shows up along with Malchus, who's the servant of the high priest and they Judas kisses Jesus and that was his signal this this is the one we're to arrest and Malchus apparently takes Jesus by the arm and Simon Peter he's got a sword and he comes over and he's intending to cut Malchus head off but he's not a very good aim and he just cuts his ear off Jesus bends down picks up that ear reattaches it does a creative miracle I'm not even sure Malchus even knew what was going on but think about it. The mercy of Jesus. They're coming to arrest you. He knows that the cross is in front of him. But the mercy of God. That here he's going to heal this servant of the high priest. I think about the mercy that he showed the woman who was taken in adultery. You remember some Pharisees found a woman. They brought her to Jesus. Now I've always wondered where was the man. That's not something you do by yourself. Somebody said, preach it. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) There's an article in the paper last day. I don't think I'm going to get into it this morning. That's probably, probably need to let that go. (laughs) Hallelujah. They bring this woman caught in adultery and they say, Jesus, Moses says that she should be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And we don't know what he wrote, but what if he wrote, who were you with last night? I, I don't know what he wrote. <laughs> he wrote something, though. And then he stood up and he says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And the Bible says that the oldest from the youngest were convicted in their conscience and they 
left. They ran out. And Jesus stooped down and wrote some more. Like, I don't know what he wrote. Where are they going? I don't know what he wrote. But he stood up. He says, woman, where are your accusers? And she says, there's, there's, there's not a single accuser left. And he says, woman, I don't accuse you, but go and sin no more. Everybody, look at me. Come on, let me see your eyes and open your ears, open your heart. Folks, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. But I think the Lord would say to you, go and sin no more because sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll hold you longer than you want to stay. It'll allow the devil to kill still and destroy in your life. Hallelujah. I think about, I think about how, how Jesus with the Pharisees was so blunt. Over in Matthew chapter 23, he called them. He says, you Pharisees are a generation of vipers. You're the blind leading the blind. You're whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones. In other words, you're, 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 you're like a grave that's been painted white and it's got flowers around it and you look good. But inside, that grave is full of dead man's bones. And that's what you're like on the inside. You're full of dead man's bones. Hallelujah. That's the Jesus of the Bible. Folks, about 70 years ago, there's an evangelist named Oral Roberts. And Oral Roberts was known as a, had a huge healing ministry. He built a university that carries his name today. And Oral Roberts was quite a preacher, especially as a young man. And I remember in the 1970s, somebody gave me, now some of you don't know what this is, but, but well, I'll explain it. It was a cassette tape. <laughs> we used to have reel-to-reel. And then we went to cassette. And then we got a eight track or a four track for some of you. Remember that? And then we got CDs and then we got MP3 players. And now we got all kinds of technology. Hallelujah. Thank God for good technology. But somebody gave me a cassette tape of Oral Roberts preaching one of his famous sermons called the fourth man. Few of you remember that sermon. It was a sermon taken out of the book of Daniel. And he preached it about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember that Nebuchadnezzar says, everybody's got to bow to my image when they hear the sound of the instruments. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three Hebrew boys, they refused to bow. And they said, well, the consequence is you're going to get thrown into the fiery furnace. And they just would not bow. And so Nebuchadnezzar says, heat up the furnace seven times hotter. It was so hot that the men who were throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were killed because of the intense heat. Nebuchadnezzar went to look. He wanted to see them burning. I think he was expecting to see them rolling around on the floor and crying out in agony. But the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar looked in and the men were wearing the turbans and had on their robes and they were walking around. They were having a good time. And he says, didn't we throw three men in there? They said, yeah, that's right. He says, but I see four men and the fourth looks like the son of God. Hallelujah. I don't know what kind of 
what kind of furnace you're in today. But I'm telling you, you're not alone. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He said, lo, I'm with you always to the ends of the earth. Or Roberts used to ask, well, who is this fourth man? He says in Genesis, he's the seed of a woman. In Exodus, he's our Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our great high priest. In Numbers, he's a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He said in Deuteronomy, he's a prophet like unto Moses. He says in Joshua, he's the captain of the Lord's host, the captain of our salvation. He said in Judges, he's our judge and our lawgiver. He said in Ruth, he's our kinsman, redeemer. He says in First and Second Samuel, he is a true prophet. He said in Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he's a, scri- he's a faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of broken lives. In Esther, he's the one who says, perhaps you come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He's the one who, when you want to go into the king's presence, he always lifts up the scepter and says, you can come to a throne of grace where you can find mercy and you can find help in time of need. Hallelujah. In Job, he's our ever-living Redeemer. And Job cries out, I know my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. Can you say that with me? I know my Redeemer lives. In Psalms, he's the Good Shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's our wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, his his tower, his banner over us is one of love. In Isaiah, he's the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Who is this fourth man? In Hosea, he's the faithful husband, always reaching out to the backslider. In Joel, he's the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. In Jonah, he's our great missionary. In Habakkuk, he's the one that's saying, though the vision tarries, wait for it. And he's also crying, revive thy work in the midst of the days. And Malachi, he's the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. In Matthew, he's the Messiah. In Mark, he's the miracle worker. In Luke, he's the son of man. And in John, he's the son of God. In Acts, he's the Holy Ghost and fire. In Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Also in Romans, he's our justifier. Hallelujah. Who is this fourth man, or Roberts used to ask? In first and second Corinthians, he is our sanctifier. In Galatians, he's the one who redeems us from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he's the one who does exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. In Philip, in, in the, in, in the, sorry to say in the Philippines. <laughs> To the Philippians, he's the God that supplies every need. Hallelujah. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In First and Second Thessalonians, he's our soon coming king. The trumpet of God's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise. And those of us that remain are going to rise and join them in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. In First and Second Timothy, he's the mediator between God 
and between man. He's the one who hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And Titus, he's a faithful pastor. And Philemon, he's the one who says, put your sins on my account. (laughs) In Hebrews, he's Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. In James, he's the one who says the fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. He's the one that says if there be any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith and the prayer of faith shall raise them up. Hallelujah. In first and second Peter, he's our chief shepherd who soon shall appear with an unfading crown of glory. In first, second, and third John, he is love. In Jude, he's the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints. And in Revelation, he's King of kings and he's Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 verse 18. Jesus stands and says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. I used to be dead, but I'm not dead anymore. Some of you have looked at areas of your life and said, this area of my life is dead. I'm telling you, don't prophesy deadness to it. Prophesy life. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. I may not know what you've been through, but I know who will go through you, with you, and every step of the way, who says, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. Hallelujah. As he said many times, your front windshield is so much bigger than your rearview mirror, because where you've been is more important than where, you, where you're going is more important than where you've been. <sighs> Folks, you can make every problem a stepping stone instead of a tombstone. Jesus wants to turn your scars into stars. Jesus wants to take what the devil's meant for harm and work it together for your good. The old devil wants to depress you. He wants to take you down for the count, but he's a liar and the truth is not in him. I'm telling you that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now we're going to come to the table of the Lord this morning. We're going to come to communion. But before we do, and I'm just cutting short on purpose. Before we do, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You may have come into this house this day and you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, come and live inside me. Come and be my Lord. Come and be my Savior. Maybe maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your king. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving, nobody talking. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm asking you to join a family because it's so important that you belong to the right family, to the family of God. And the only way you can belong to the family of God is to be born into it. It's called the rebirth. It's called believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's being born from above. I don't know what you're going through today, but I do know this. 
I know that God stands looking at you with arms wide open, saying, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I just want to ask you, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? If you were to take your last breath today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? This could be your last opportunity. You don't know. You don't know that you'll have another opportunity to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a second group of people here today and maybe you've known the Lord, but you've grown cold. You've known the Lord, but you've lost your first love. You've lost the joy of your salvation. I'm telling you, God loves you. He stands with arms open wide. Maybe you've gone through an unexpected illness. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe, maybe life has been cruel to you. Maybe you've gone through suffering and you've wondered where was God in that suffering. Maybe the devil's lied to you and told you God was nowhere around. Maybe, maybe you've spent your time drinking from a bottle that doesn't make you any better. Maybe you've been popping pills. Maybe, maybe you've been in an illicit relationship. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe you've had a financial reversal. Maybe you've had some people, a business partner to steal from you. Maybe you've been betrayed by a friend. I'm telling you, today is the day of salvation. I'm telling you, today is the day to get your heart right with Jesus. And there's some of you here today, you love Jesus and you pray to him. You've asked him to come into your life, but you don't have the assurance that if you died today, that you'd wake up in heaven. You just don't have that assurance in your heart. But today you can know that you know that you know that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Terrell, that's me. I fit into one of those three categories. And I want to give Jesus Christ my life today. Come on. Come on, just lift your hand and leave it up until I see it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Terrell, I want Jesus Christ today. I want to I put my faith in Christ today. You don't know that you don't say another time, another place. You don't know that you'll have another opportunity. You don't know. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. Anybody at all? Pastor Terrell, I need the Lord Jesus Christ. I need the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just look at the far left-hand side here. Everybody, just open your eyes now and look at me. Anybody over here would say, I didn't raise my hand, but I want to get in on this. I didn't raise my hand, but I want to get in on this. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? It takes a man. It takes a woman. It takes somebody who's mature. Somebody who's willing to say, I'm going to stand for Jesus. I need him in my life. Anybody here? I need the Lord Jesus in my life. Anybody at all? How about in this left-hand center section? I need the Lord Jesus Christ. I want him to come into my heart. I want him to forgive me of my sins. How about in this right-hand side center section? Anybody at all? Terrell, that's me today. I didn't raise my hand, but I want to be a part of this. How about over here? Terrell, I didn't raise my hand, but I want to be a part of this. How about over here? Terrell, I didn't raise my hand, but I want to be a part of it. Hallelujah. For those of you that did raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. 
I'm going to ask you to stand. You say, why are you doing this, preacher? I'm doing it because everybody that Jesus called, he called publicly. Yes, sir. Come on. That's it. Come on, stand. I'm going to ask you just to make your way down here and join us. Pastor Zach, the, 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 the pastor in the red shirt, is going to be right here. and He's just going to pray with you. Come on. Is there anybody else that wants to be a part of this? Come on. Come on. Is there anybody else that wants to be a part of this? This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. Come on. This is your opportunity. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.